All right, what's going on, America? And without further ado, we have a special guest that is a friend to the show many, many times, but for the first time officially, Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna. Anna, thank you for being here. How are you? Uh, well, this is definitely my first time back as a representative, so it's been a long road, but we finally made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So where are you right now? Are you back home or are you? where are you? Yeah, so right now we have a district week. And so basically what the calendar somewhat looks like is you are basically in Washington either Monday to Thursday or Tuesday to Friday. And then you come home on the weekends and then about once a month to maybe twice a month, you'll get district weeks to where you can actually work um, doing constituent services and basically representing back home. So I am one of the representatives that does not like DC. So anytime I can get back home, I always do it. So I'm here now, but there are some representatives that stay up there, but it's not advised. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, go figure, you know, actually being in the district that you represent. It's a, it's a crazy, (laughs) crazy thought. (laughs) All right, Anna. I feel like I have so many things to talk to you about. Me and you have talked on and off since uh, election night and and all this stuff. But this is our first time to really sit down and and have some conversations. And and you, of course, there was never any doubt. National headline news from day one on the floor. Um, I want to talk to you about the current state of Congress, the current state of the government. internally oh congratulations on the committee assignment by the way i I just saw that the other day yeah that's gonna be a good one (laughs) yeah i'm excited about that but 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 i want to talk about there are a lot of people myself included me and you in general we've had these conversations many times behind closed doors concerned about about uh the the GOP concerned about the way things are going, um, and, and so you know let's start off and let's talk about the uh, the, the 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 speaker race and, and the holdouts and 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 all of this stuff to the listeners that just don't understand. Walk us through what you can walk us through about that whole situation. Why was the holdout for so long? What were you guys trying to get accomplished? Um, and, and, and just walk us through that. Are the Biden administration's New Year's goals of tax and spend and turn a blind eye to inflation at odds with your goals of securing your savings? When you finally had enough of the games government is playing with your savings and retirement, diversify into gold with Birch Gold. I am tired of my money being impacted by stupid decisions by leaders in Washington. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA of 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text the word Graham, that's G-R-A-H-A-M, to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold. With almost 20 years experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals, Birch Gold can help you protect yourself with gold today by texting Graham to the number 989898. With an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, secure your future with gold. Start today with a free info kit. There's zero obligation to make this request. Just text Graham. That's G-R-A-H-A-M to 989898 right now. So starting from really the time that I was elected, so back in November, um, we immediately 
start our orientation as new members of Congress. And so what I didn't realize is that even before I'm sworn in that I'm allowed to, and many other freshmen are allowed to vote on leadership positions. Um, We're allowed to vote on the rules conferences. And it may sound like a lot of inside baseball, but the reason why it's important is because the way in which we function we function as a Congress is incredibly important for the legislation. It's important for what we as representatives are allowed to do and whether or not we will actually be able to represent our constituents. So one of the most surprising and yet horrifying things to me was when I got to Washington, you know, I'm sure everyone's watched that. I'm just a bill video from Schoolhouse Rocks back in the 80s and early 90s, but it is not like that. So there is a rules committee And on this rules committee, that's actually where all the legislation goes in order to hit the House floor. So I'll put it for you like this. Back when President Trump won in 2016, he had the House, the Senate and the executive branch. But a lot of his legislation was being blocked by a Republican Congress because of the fact that people on the rules committee did not like the legislation. So it's incredibly important that these positions don't just have one viewpoint of maybe more moderate um, softer Republicans, but they also share the viewpoints of more conservative leading Republicans, because as you're seeing, especially with the debt ceiling, conservatives have a different viewpoint on how to handle these situations. And even if you just compare President Trump's policy back in 2016 for the last four years and then to President Biden's policy, you'll see that our ideas worked better for the American people and for the country as a whole. And so that was just one of the few things I also found that under Nancy Pelosi, that something called the motion to vacate the chair, which was put in place by Thomas Jefferson and withstood for over 200 years, was actually fully removed. And Mm -hmm. that's incredibly disturbing because that's an accountability mechanism that the representatives have to hold the Speaker of the House accountable. It decentralizes power. And that's really one of the main differences between us in Congress and Senate Senate, there's been such a consolidation of power over the last, I don't know how many decades, that you literally see there might be senators going up there. And an ins- a senator is obviously an incredibly important position, but they not might not actually have a voice, maybe sometimes as an important voice as we have in-house because of those rules. Mm. So those were just kind of some of the inner workings. Uh, but then we also found that um, there was you know, talks about what was going to happen with the debt ceiling. And then we obviously saw what happened with the omnibus spending bill, which was so much just unnecessary pork in this massive spending bill. And they rammed it through. And as someone that completely ran on the platform, and I do believe that this system is broken. And if we just don't do something different, we are going to lose this country. When I saw these things, not only was I bummed, But I also realized that if there was going to be change, it had to be done now. And if we didn't do it now, then it was going to just continue the same cycle. So early on, I've always been a very straight shooter. Um, I was just very transparent with leadership about where my position was, what I thought needed to change. And that was back in, my goodness, probably the end of November Um, in December, I actually published an open letter to residents in Pinellas County because I was writing back, you know, while I was up in Washington, kind of giving them updates on what we were doing in Washington. And then in the letter, I basically wrote out some things that I expected whoever was going to earn my vote for speaker would have to do in order to earn that vote. And it was a lot of what I just laid out to you was a part of that criteria in addition to lay out a very um, definitive plan on on the debt ceiling and how we are going to tackle spending in this country. 
And ultimately I posted that and, you know, it got, it got some traction with people locally, but I wanted them to know exactly what was going to happen because I had a feeling that on January 3rd, it was going to end up the way that we saw it ending up. And ultimately what ended up happening was, you know, the 20 of us again, realized that we had to make change. And so that first vote was probably the, the most intense thing because you know, there's actually two votes that go for the speaker's race. There's one in December, basically, that's a blind ballot. So people don't vote publicly. It's basically just all secret. But you still can kind of see the number of votes of people that are either for you or against you in different leadership positions. Right. And then there was the public one. And when I went down there, I just I realized that, you know, I was going to actually do what I said I was going to do on the campaign trail. And so I made that decision to, you know, stand with some of my colleagues and really fight for those changes. And to Speaker McCarthy's credit, he actually ended up embracing those changes. But the one thing that I could never understand was why the media was attacking us so much because we were having these discussions and this very open, honest debate with the American people on behalf of the American people You know, we had some of the more conservative leaning pundits that were saying that we were, you know, basically single handedly responsible for the country not functioning. Well, in my opinion, the country hasn't been functioning over the last couple of years under current leadership. If anything, we were having a very important discussion. And it was also interesting to note that that was probably the first time in the last couple of years since COVID that Congress had actually been on the floor together to even talk. So yeah. these are all factors. And so when you saw me go on the on the House floor and correct some of the disinformation that I was hearing about there potentially being the possibility of a Democrat speaker, you know, the Democrats were in so many ways kind of talking to some more moderate members of the Republican side. But to be clear, I wanted the American people to know that the 20 of us would ensure that there would never be a Democrat elected speaker for a Republican controlled majority. And I'm glad that I did that because the news picked up on it and it answered a lot of questions. But what we ended up negotiating, um, the negotiations were taking place on the floor in between when you saw votings after I would vote, I would run off the floor to Representative Emmer's um, whip office. And we would go in there and look at kind of the negotiations and talk through more. So there was, I'd say, my goodness, I, I was basically up, I think, to like two o'clock every morning talking, negotiating, doing all this stuff. But I will commend Representative Chip Roy, Dan Bishop, Byron Donald, Um, even Representative Gates had an incredible amount of input into the rules and the way that our Congress is functioning now. And as you're seeing with some of the legislation, I mean, we are going to be voting on term limits because of this negotiation. We are going to be voting on a Texas border plan because of these negotiations. And you will be able to see exactly where everyone stands because we're gonna pass it through, right? Congress, we're gonna take the votes on it, but Senate is ultimately going to be able to either kill it or not, but it's important for the American people to know that we are trying and that we are correcting. And I think that the changes that we put in place are absolutely institutional changes and they will be around way after we are no longer in office. So, so first of all, thank you for, for, for explaining all that kind of stuff, because those are things that <clears throat> obviously I know there's more that goes on behind the scenes, but <clears throat> the majority of the American public does not. So I, I appreciate you letting the listeners know that <clears throat> two things. One, uh, 
and maybe I'll just state what I think and, and you can either choose to, you know, say something or not. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still not a hundred percent sold on McCarthy. I think, I hope that he lives up to the things that he has agreed to. Uh, I'm very happy that you guys have the, um, things in place to hold him accountable or either remove him from that. Um, the 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 overall vibe I saw from McCarthy <clears throat> is kind of a, a a vibe of shocked almost that uh, that not everyone that had an R next to their name would kind of fall in line with you know just kind of the way everybody expected it to go and so I appreciate you and I know me and you talked about this a lot voting like you're only got one term. And so you're going to vote the way your district wants you to vote, you know, whether you're there for a long time or whether you're there for one term. And so I appreciate you doing that Two, Just like you said, the house is going to pass a lot of things, but we all know that we don't have the Senate. And we especially know uh, with president Biden saying publicly uh, in a very, you know, um, uh, dementia way saying that if any of these bills by some miracle, like this is literally the words that come out of his mouth. If any of these bills by some miracle make it to his desk, he's going to veto them. So realistically, I think there's a lot of people in America that are asking the question, you know, what can this new Congress actually do for the American people. Can can you kind of just give people some kind of hope on what this new transformation of this Congress is going to be able to set in motion and be able to get going? January, the most refreshing and frustrating month of the year. You set out with lofty goals, stick to them for two weeks, and then fall right back into your old habits. Well, lucky for you, I have a goal you can accomplish today and feel great about. It's called the protect your family by getting a will goal. And you can check that box in five minutes for as little as $119 at epicwill.com. Oh yeah. And when you use your promo code Graham, that's G-R-A-H-A-M, you'll save an additional 10%. So I just made it even easier. Do you care about your kids? Do you care about your family? None of us actually think about it until honestly, it's too late. And then they have nothing. Secure your family, secure them by having a living will, a will in case anything were to ever happen to you. If you really care about your family, you need to do this. Think about it. 50% of Americans don't have a will. Choose to be in the smarter 50%. Go to epicwill.com and use the promo code Graham for 10% off. Then you can laugh at your friends who failed to accomplish all their goals knowing that your family is secure. That's epicwill.com, promo code Graham. Yeah, so I guess it would be three main things. The What we negotiated will set the foundation for uh, 2024 for the next Congress, hopefully when we take back the Senate and the presidency. So that's the first thing. Second thing is the most powerful position we have as Congress is the power of the purse. And so we are not going to be raising the debt ceiling. We are going to force Senate to figure it out and force this administration to not be able to spend some of these tax dollars. I just did a segment on Fox Business, but to just go over kind of the crazy spending that we are seeing, I think it was $4.5 million was going to a poetry reading museum in Latvia. Over $200 million was going towards being able to have the the EPA sue American coal workers 
And that's just some of the spending that we've uncovered. I mean, they're using American tax dollars the way that they would never spend their own personal money. And when you go there and you hear them advocating to raise the debt ceiling, if you think $8 is bad for eggs now, I don't want to know what it's going to be if we continue down this path. I'm actually concerned that this economy will crumble because we cannot sustain it. And so we are going to be limiting, streamlining this ridiculous spending by about $132 billion. A lot of people said, oh my gosh, they're going to cut defense spending. That was actually never a topic of discussion. We're going after some of these extracurricular nonsense programs that sometimes even the State Department has gone authorized to spend by Congress because they're trying to push a very left-leaning agenda, sponsoring a lot of these programs that are being weaponized against the American people. And then in addition to that, one of the most important things that we're going to be able to do this Congress is to launch investigations and to really bring the truth to the forefront for the American people. For about four years, we saw, and I think it took that amount of time for the American people to realize that the media, depending on what it was, was indeed a propaganda arm of the different party systems. Yeah. And that furthered my idea with this whole race because of how we saw we were being attacked for basically standing up to do the right thing. But what you're also seeing now is that it is very likely, and Breitbart just reported that Hunter Biden was actually staying at the location that Joe Biden had classified documents on China before he was even a president while Hunter Biden was being paid by Chinese companies. And so there is a very real possibility and likelihood that there is corruption in our government. And we have to show that. But there also has to be, I think, legal action to deal with this. You know, these people are not outside of the legal scope. They should not be protected from justice. If they're breaking the law, they need to be held accountable. So what you will see is House Oversight, which is one of my committees, doing some of the investigations. And then you have the Church Style Committee, which is, by the way, also negotiated in that um, speaker's race, basically, that establishes a um, a, basically a committee that will look into organizations like the FBI, maybe even the DOJ, all these organizations that are being weaponized against the American people. And then it's actually a subcommittee of House Judiciary. So any of their findings will be brought to judiciary for, for punishment. And so this is very serious. And I think that people now, I mean, you know, you talk about it, it sounds kind of scary, but if we don't do it, who's going to do it? And so we're right. going to stand together. We're going to get it done, at least what we can. No, no, no. I, I love that. Okay, so so let's move on to <clears> – <throat> I know your time is valuable. I want to try to get as many things packed in as we yeah. can here. Um, I know, uh, like myself, uh, you are uh, – before Congress, you were an entrepreneur-type uh, person. And so I have no love for the IRS. There, There is no one – that I love to, and yes, I'm saying this nationally for everyone here. There's no one that I love to shortchange more than the federal government as much as I possibly can. Because to your point, it, it's just gotten to this extent to where the IRS is just, it's so corrupt. It, it's so <clears throat> evil what they're doing and taking this money away from Americans. Um what is the likelihood of uh, the 87,000 new IRS agents? What is the likelihood of that actually, you know, being dead in the water? It's not happening. And then two, 
Is there going to be any efforts to try to get the IRS back under control? I personally, you know, 100 percent support the Fair Tax Act and all this stuff. Uh, obviously, we have to fund our military and things like that. And, and I'm completely on board with that. But having people that make six hundred thousand dollars a year in the same tax bracket as Elon Musk is absolute insanity. Um, it, anything you can tell us on that front? Because there's a lot yeah, of people so concerned I'm, about that. I'm right actually now. glad you brought it up because a couple of days ago I was on a again a, a TV hit with Fox and I said taxation is theft and I explained why. So I hold true to that statement right now with the way that the IRS is functioning. You are paying into a system. You're not given an option. You're basically forced to pay into a system. And you see no benefit to that system because what you are paying into is being used against you currently, and it's being thrown away in a lot of cases. So exactly like you said, until they get that under control, that is how I feel about this entire situation. You are not getting a benefit for that dollar that you are giving to the federal government because of what it's currently being run under. Now, do I think Senate is going to kill the defunding of the 87,000? Absolutely. Why? Yeah. Because they are making this a partisan issue. The way that sometimes it has functioned in Washington for too long, and this is exactly why I'm so like I'm so strong on term limits, is you have people that instead of going up there and realizing, wow, these 87,000 IRS agents, not only was it insanely expensive, but also to who are these people really looking into? And as you saw with Joe Biden's administration, they are looking into people that are gig workers, people that have more than two jobs that have to have more than two jobs right now because of the fact that the economy is so in the hole, because of the fact that inflation has made things like eggs and food so expensive. And so what you're seeing is, again, the partisan politics over what's best on behalf of the American people. And so I would like to get the IRS under control, but I think again, why the church committee is so incredibly important is if you know that the IRS is, for example, going after people, let's say that might be big Republican donors, or let's say the IRS is going after people that are very outspoken against the IRS, there's no accountability mechanism to see if the IRS is actually coordinating and then doing targeting because of the fact of someone's political ideologies and beliefs. And right. so it's incredibly important that we fight that. But I mean, again, it's been so frustrating to see that sometimes people will vote party line instead of what's best for the people. Yeah, to me, it seems like a, a mechanism that is naturally inclined to keep a thumb on or kill small businesses. And small businesses is what fuels the middle class. And the <clears throat> the robust middle class of America is what truly defines us um, from an economic standpoint from other countries across the world. Say the IRS tells a small business owner that, OK, you know, your business did, you know, decently well. So we feel like you owe us three hundred thousand dollars because your business did really well. Well, the problem I have with that is you've got these small businesses that that might be the only working capital that they have in their business account is $300,000. So if they give the IRS $300,000 because the IRS says, well, you owe us that money because you profited and because you profited, you owe us this. Well, what if they get a $280,000 bill the very next month in the start of the new year? Well, they're closed. It's, it's, it's over. It's done. And that's, that, that is why the entire system is broken. This whole prepaying of taxes in today's society, it's, you know, and, and I hope that you take this 
uh, with you as well in these conversations, people don't know, people can't prepay in 2023 because people have no idea what their revenue is going to be anymore. You can't, you can't quantify, well, you know, yeah, we made this last quarter, but now inflation is up more, et cetera. We have no idea what we're going to make. And people are supposed to just trust that the government is going to give them their refunds on time so they can pay their actual bills that keep the lights on and keep people employed. I just have there is nothing that will make you hate the IRS more than becoming an entrepreneur, small business owner. And, well, uh, it's, you know, and you're, you're, you're absorbing, uh, absorbing all of the risk with limited reward because of the fact that they have the tax codes written the way that they are. You know, it's, this is how I explain it to people. Some people be like, Oh, you know, quote unquote, tax the rich. You can't tax the rich. A lot of these people are providing jobs. The more taxes that a business pays, the less employees that they can have, therefore it hits the job market, therefore it hits the economy. The whole idea of it is wrong. If you really want to stimulate the economy and help society, then allow people to have businesses, to better their communities, to employ more people so that you can have the trickle down effect. It's like there's two separate ways of looking at it. And I prefer the way that has, you know, the evidence behind it. You can look at long-term impacts of when people put these policies in place versus when these policies are removed and you see it really impact the economy. So I'm right there with you on that one. It's really interesting because, I mean, I'm right there with you. I now I had a CPA that would do all of my tax stuff because it was just so complicated, especially when you are an entrepreneur, but the media, instead of trying to be honest with the American people saying like, yeah, Anna was a business owner. They try to paint me just like as some idiot. And they do that because they realize that people like myself who have a voice and if God forbid you're logical, um, they don't want to show the American people that because it brings you more credibility. And especially being a representative now, I am their enemy because I am fighting on behalf of the American people. So it's just wild to see. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not doing this forever, but I'm glad that I'm doing it now because I'm very passionate about these issues. And as you can see, I'm not going to play ball the way that they want to. Well, I think that's important because I don't think people, me and you have had this conversation a million times. I don't think people are supposed to do it for forever. Um, That's not the point. Okay. Two, two things. And then it's going to bring me to my last point. Again, I know your time's valuable. I appreciate you uh, still remaining a friend to the show, even though you're big time now. Uh, Two questions. And then that'll lead us into our final topic uh, that I'd love to hear your thoughts on. One, what is the biggest positive that you have seen since getting into Congress? And then two, what is the biggest like, wow, I can't believe it's this bad uh, since getting into Congress? So biggest positive has been to see the amount of if you get people who are like-minded and you work together, the amount of change that you can have that actually really does impact the country. The 20 that I was working with, I mean, me being one of the 20, so the other 19, everyone knew and understood that that was, it was transformational. There was even other members who weren't necessarily a part of the 20 that were voting against um, McCarthy but that were helping us even with just kind of writing some of the stipulation for dealing with debt, et cetera. But when it finally actually happened and then you people realized what was on the table and then we realized what we did for the country, that was probably one of the most rewarding things ever because it's high risk, yet high reward. 
And then I'd have to say the most disheartening thing was kind of what I explained that I couldn't as a representative bring a bill to the floor that it had to go to a committee of maybe, you know, 10 plus people. But that if those people weren't aligned with me and they didn't like the bill, that it didn't matter what I did, that I would just be up there to vote yes or no on a bill that someone else put to the floor that had more power than me. And that's probably part of the problem that we're seeing now is that it used to be the case that representatives can do that. It's no longer the case. And so this country is not beyond repair, but we have to continue down the path that we're doing because I'll put it to you like this. We had one member that ran in that was not a part of the uh, the 20 that was, again, helping with the negotiations. And he said, if you guys pull this off, you guys are going to be able to do something that I've been trying to do for the last like 20 years. And I have not been able to get done. It's transformational. And we did it. And he was right because of everything that was in that negotiation. But again, I mean, it's a high risk, high reward game because you can see it was it was a pressure cooker up there. It was not fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no doubt. No doubt for sure. And and again, I, I never had any doubt, but I know I told you this via text, but I'll tell you again, I, I'm so proud of you and everything that you've done. I, I'm proud of you from, from from moment one, just just taking the arrows, man. All right. Uh, final thing. <clears throat> We're big. You know, uh, th this is a this is a Christian show, but it's a political show. But, but we do it from a Christian perspective. You guys had a bill. Uh, come to the floor, uh, not even in regards to uh, abortion. It was about abortion, but it wasn't about when does life begin or when, you know, wh wh when is this and when can people. This was a bill about babies who survived an abortion. And it was a bill that would require if a baby survives uh, an attempted abortion, they would be required to give medical care to this baby, just like they would anybody else. And I always say that we are in a battle of good versus evil under the veil of politics all the time. And, and, and when you when you have a bill like that, that in my opinion, and maybe you can tell me I missed something about it, but in my opinion, it should be a no brainer. Well, of course, right? Like, obviously, like that, that makes 100% sense, but then you have every Democrat but one <clears throat> vote no. Like, just let the, the, you know, the mama doesn't want the baby, so the baby should die, right? What can we do as a country to fix these people that are going, even on the Democrat side, do I believe that every single person that's a Democrat is a horrific human being voting for these people? No, I believe a lot of the, some of them are, but I believe a lot of them are just truly confused individuals. But the people that are in DC voting this way, in my opinion, it's just completely reprehensible, the, the things they're doing. What can the American people start to do to affect, I don't know, the soul of this country, who we're sending, even if you disagree with Republican or GOP politics, et cetera, you're sending people to off uh, to, to DC that are willingly voting to essentially say, well, that baby deserves to die. Yeah, the craziest thing was to actually be on the floor when another member was quoting the Bible as to why abortion was a good thing. Wow. That was like, to me, I was just like, I don't know what type of interpretation you have, but like you are literally using scripture to fight for something that's completely like not only not godly, but like, wow, what a perversion of what the scripture actually meant. Um, you know, 
the biggest thing, there's a couple things. One, we have an issue with media right now. So we need more competitive media brands, but also to, I think, business owners to invest in those media outlets, because right now there's the left uses so much money and we are so grossly outspent, largely because of censorship, because they actually censor our fundraising capabilities. But like even just in the private sector, a lot of wealthy entrepreneurs um, invest in conservative outlets, conservative medias, but also to get involved with the young people, get involved at the high schools, go talk to kids. I think teachers are incredibly important. That's why you have a lot of the CRT and really divisive stuff being pushed into our elementary schools and our high schools. But when I talk about what's happening and how the Chinese have really used our social media to brainwash our youth and what they're showing their young kids, and then I see really the fourth and fifth uh, circle effects of that brainwashing with, you know, our young kids, for example, if you ask a young kid in China, what do you want to be when you grow up? They say astronaut. If you ask a kid here, they say an influencer. And what they show our kids is people twerking and, you know, all this really gross stuff versus over there, education, they boost the algorithms to actually show if you are doing something that's analytical, smart, science, technology-based, your algorithms will go through the roof here. It's if you're twerking, they're doing that on purpose. And so I think that we have a big fight with social media legislation, but don't forget about the young people because I know that although I'm censored, I know that there's a lot of young women, especially that look up to me. And I do consider myself someone that is championing the feminist cause, but I'm not a man hater. And there's a difference. The modern day feminism hates men. They tell you that you cannot be strong and successful, that you have to hate men in the process. And that's completely wrong. You know, I'm here to say that women can serve in office. You can have a beautiful family. You can stand up for women's sports. And that's really what feminism should be. But they've, again, perverted that like so many other things. And so I think that we have a big fight. It's a culture war. And like Charlie Kirk and Candace Owens have said for so long, it's about if you can impact and change the culture. And so I'm hoping that more celebrities come up and talk about being conservative. I know that a lot of people are fearful of being canceled. I know Kaya Jones talks about that a ton. She was a former member of the Pussycat Dolls, but we have to have it. And, you know, it's interesting. You have a lot of people, sometimes even on my social media actors that I'll kind of DM and be like, hey, just so you know, I'm conservative. I can't say anything or else I'll lose my job. But we we really appreciate what you're doing. All right. So I agree 100 percent. Officially, Congresswoman. Uh, Anna Paulina Luna. I'm still going to call you Anna, but either way, uh, (laughs) where can people go? Not just in your district, but across the nation to find out what you got going on to donate to your campaign, to donate to you so you can keep the fight going. Yeah. So if you want to just kind of follow what I'm doing with my personal, just like more or less my private commentary, not in an official capacity, you could head to at real Anna Paulina. I'm on every social media platform possible. And then separate from my official congressional capacity, my campaign website is voteapl.com. And I'm not soliciting donations. I'm just saying that separately from my official capacity. But yeah, I appreciate all the support. And we did reopen the Capitol to the public. So if you're in Washington, please feel free to stop by my office. We're right in Longworth. You'll be able to find me. I'm literally on the first floor when you walk in. And um, I appreciate just like people that do leave us positive notes like, hey, you're doing great because it gets hard up here. So we need the positive encouragement. (laughs) Yeah, well, you always got a friend in us and uh, you're welcome here anytime, anytime you feel like you're not able to get the message out, you need to get out. Anytime we can help you in any kind of way, you just let us know. Uh, (laughs) God bless you. We love you here. 
Thank you so much for being on this episode of the Dear America podcast. And we'll see you all again next time. Thanks, Graham.